Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. This is episode number 88 with our guest, Ryan Gottfriedson. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our mindsets are the mental lenses that shape how you view your world and how you operate within it. Our mindsets fuel our thinking, learning, and behavior. Yet for most people, it's something they are not even aware of. And did you know that there are four primary mindsets that we're going to unravel that fuel our success? Well, our guest today wants to help you harness this power to reach unprecedented success. That's exactly what he does. It's Ryan Gottfriedson, PhD, and he's a cutting-edge leadership consultant, trainer, coach, and researcher. He is a leadership mindset pioneer that helps organizations, leaders, and managers identify their current mindsets and then shapes their mindsets to fuel better decision-making, growth, and performance. He's also a leadership and management professor at California State University Fullerton. He holds a PhD in organizational behavior and human resources from Indiana University, and is someone amazing to learn from. So let's learn. It's Ryan Gottfriedson. How's it going, Ryan? Great. Wow, you nailed that. Holy cow. That's (laughs) the best introduction I've ever had. That's great. Well, well, thank you. Good to hear that. Good to, uh, and and, and good to see you. I really, um, I, I so admire this this topic mindset. Um, one of the things I heard you say is that you speak to people, you go into organizations, and there's the barrier that they're not even aware that this thing called mindset exists. I didn't know that. I just took for granted that it's a thing. Everybody knows it's a thing. Whether you want to work on it or not is another thing. But tell me about that. What is that? What does that look like when somebody doesn't even know that it exists? Yeah, so most people don't realize this, but 90% of our thinking, feeling, judging, and acting is driven by our non-conscious automatic processes. So essentially, almost everything that we do is on autopilot. Well, Well, what drives our autopilot? It's actually our mindsets. 
And so what, when you think about autopilot, or at least when I think about autopilot, I think about flying an airplane. Mm -hmm. So when you get um, pilots that put the airplane on autopilot, the thing that ensures uh, that allows them to get to where, from where they start to where they're going is, is it requires that the, that the dials and the instruments are accurate. And if they're not, so if our autopilot isn't in tune with reality or the most optimal system, then what ends up happening is our autopilot takes us to a destination that we didn't necessarily set out to achieve and it is less than ideal. Mm. And so this, this is how our mindsets work is uh, there are specific mindsets that we have uh, that dictate the destination that we arrive at. And, and, there's certain mindsets that allow us to arrive at more positive destinations than others. And what people don't realize is, is that this is going on in their minds all the time. Whether but, we expect it or not, know about it or not, there is that thing happening. Yep, it's happening. And so if we can awaken people to their mindsets, that empowers them to do a couple things. One is to become more conscious and two, to improve their non-conscious automatic processing that's driving their lives. And so if we can improve our autopilot, uh, then we're going to be much more successful moving forward. So this is all about, at least in part, becoming self-aware? Exactly. This is, in fact, it's, it is getting self-aware at a level that usually most people have never gotten to. Because while what you mentioned we use the term mindsets quite a bit, but if I were to ask you, what mindsets do you need to have to be successful? The good ones? I, or positive. I either right, get positive. responses, positive mindset, or I get crickets. See, right. this is the problem is we, we understand that mindsets are important, but because we don't have a language around mindsets and we don't have labels for specific mindsets, we're unable to introspect about them. We're unable to assess what, what mindsets we have. We're, we're unable to identify what mindsets we need to have. But if we can identify specific mindsets, put labels on them, we can identify where we, are, where we currently are and where we need to go. So and that's a really empowering journey. So let's take a step back for a minute. Um, talk, like you said, people, pe people talk about that word mindset a lot. So what we're talking about is everybody has one, whether they know it or not, admit it or not. What is it? It's just the, your view of the world, your thought process, the stories, habits, and beliefs that you tell yourself, that you think of others. That is your mindset. Yeah, so I, I've got a little treat for your Facebook Live people. It's not going to go over as well with our podcast people, but but we'll we'll describe it. So here I've got. I'm just putting on some rose-colored glasses. Brilliant. Right? So um, I don't know if you wear glasses. I don't necessarily wear glasses unless I'm driving around. But if you wear glasses for an extended period of time, my guess is that you lose consciousness of the fact that they're on your head. So true. I do actually love my sunglasses in the car when I'm driving. That's really the only time that I'll wear them. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we lose consciousness of the fact that they're there. But our mindsets are our mental lenses, just like glasses are lenses for how we see the world around us. And the thing about our mindsets is we've had them essentially our whole lives. So we've lost consciousness that they're there. 
but they're shaping how we see and interpret the world around us. And here with me wearing rose-colored glasses, I'm seeing the world in a different way than almost everybody else is seeing the world. But if I don't recognize that I'm wearing those glasses, then, then I'm unable to recognize that there's different ways to see things. So there's different situations that people can, can um, find themselves in. And let's just take challenge and failure, for example. So when people encounter challenge or failure, they could interpret it in a variety of ways. For example, one person, because of their mindsets, they're, they're literally, it's their neural networks in their mind cause them to see this challenge and failure as something to avoid. Because if maybe if I fail, then that means that I'm a failure. But somebody else could see that same exact challenge and failure, but instead of seeing it as something to avoid, they see this as an opportunity to learn and grow. And so they're able to run, run toward that challenge. And that's one of the things that researchers have found distinguishes successful people from non-successful people. Is successful people are able to run toward challenges because they know that they're gonna learn, grow, and develop. Whereas less successful people try to avoid challenges because they're afraid of failure. And, and so that's, that particular distinction is a distinction between fixed and growth mindsets. So of, of the mindsets that are out there, that's probably the most well-known. Uh, Carol Dweck popularized it with a lot of her research. But, but if we can, again, this is, now we're starting to put labels on these mindsets. So we've got fixed mindsets and we've got growth mindsets. There's been 30 years of research that has found that fixed mindsets lead to more negative outcomes and growth mindsets lead to more positive outcomes. So if we can identify what mindsets we have and what mindsets we need to have, now we become empowered. So with me wearing these rose-colored glasses, let's just say that these are fixed mindsets. Well, now I can awaken, oh my goodness, I see the world in a certain way that isn't healthy. Let me now take them off and let me put some better ones on. And, and then by doing so, we can reshape our lives. How do you, when you work with people, how in the world after the assessment, because we all have a mindset, we all have an outlook of how we view the world. So you have to first identify it. But then how do you take somebody with a fixed mindset, which is sort of closed minded and thinking that what that means is that they think that they can't grow or don't need to, or however they phrase it, how do you even begin to chip away at that and say, well, there's a better option for you over here? Yeah, so really what we are doing, so I think that there's two halves of the battle when we are trying to improve somebody's mindset. The first half of the battle is, is a little bit about what I talked about, but I think it's actually the most important part. So we've got to awaken to mindsets, the power of mindsets, the mindsets we have, and the mindsets we need to develop. So that's, that's the first step. Then as you talk about the next step is how do we actually start moving the needle on these mindsets? And in order for us to do that, we need to understand a few things. One is our mind, what our mindsets are, are specific neural networks within our mind that, that we use repeatedly over time that strengthens these networks. So it's, it's not like every time we see, if we have a fixed mindset, it's not like every time we see challenge as being something to avoid, but that's how we normally see it. So, there's, so that's, that's just how our brain is inclined to fire. But we can take a step back in those instances and say, 
oh, this is a great learning opportunity. I'm, we've got to consciously make a decision to see it in a different way. And, and the more frequently we, we start using the neural networks uh, that are on the positive side of these mindset continuums, then, then those neural networks strengthen and start to override the more negative neural networks. And so really what we're doing is we're rewiring the brain, but, but this process is, isn't as difficult as most people think it is because uh, our brains are incredibly plastic and they're incredibly malleable. So I think that shifting mindsets is a lot like learning how to count to 10 in a different language. Right. So it's a good it's, analogy. Yeah. It's not that difficult to learn how to count to 10 in Spanish. But the more, what really what it takes is a little bit of practice every day. And over time, you essentially become quite fluent in the sense of it almost becomes natural for you to think, instead of think one, you think uno. It, you can rewire your brain to think that way. And, and so that's really what a sh mindset shift is. is, is what we need to do is little daily interventions that over time shape and rewire our brain. Let's, let's outline these um, four different mindsets for success. Yeah. So uh, we've, we've talked about the fixed and growth. Let me just add just a, a couple of things related to this. So research has found about 50% of the population has more of a fixed mindset, whereas the other half has more of a growth mindset. Do you want to give us an example of each? So we can. Uh, yeah. So so when um, so we've got a battle going on within us. We all I think we all want two things. One, we want to look good, and two, we want to learn and grow. But the problem is, is we can't do both effectively at the same time. In fact, if we want to learn and grow, we've got to put ourselves in in situations where we're not likely to look good. And so those people that have a fixed mindset, they're more attuned to looking good. They prioritize looking good over learning and growing. Whereas now those you're talking, I'm sorry, you're talking about the um, facade of not stumbling or looking inferior or, or looking like you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're struggling through something, right? When you yep. say looking good. Precisely. Yep. Wow. Okay, go ahead. I love it. And, and so the other people, those that have the growth mindset, they're not concerned about how they look. They're concerned about their ability to learn and grow and master the things that they need to in order to be successful. And, and so, um, and, and really at the root of all of this, the root of fixed and growth is that individuals with a fixed mindset don't believe that they can change their talents, intelligence, and abilities. But those with the growth mindset do believe that they can change their talents, intelligence, and abilities. And with that belief, it allows them to explore challenges and failures and learn from them as opposed to internalize them and consider themselves a failure if they were to fail. Is one quote unquote better than the other? Can, can either be equally as successful or does the fixed to benefit them if they want the success, they're gonna have to inch closer to the growth? Great question. And so we've, we've, hopefully we'll get to all four sets of mindsets here. Um, and all four of these sets range on a continuum from negative to positive. And, and it is a, while the negative mindsets are very easy to justify, right? So if I have a negative mindset, I tend to think that my thinking is the best way to think. 
So we, we justify the negative mindsets really well, but over, there's been over 30 years of research for all of these sets of mindsets and overwhelmingly all of the research says that the negative mindsets lead to lower outcomes and the positive mindsets lead to uh, higher outcomes. Wow. And, and so there is the, a distinction between uh, purely negative and positive for these different sets. So um, yes, overwhelmingly a growth mindset leads to greater success than a fixed mindset. All right. Now that's the first of the four. For the record, side note, um, I took your online assessment. We'll talk more about that. I'm sure we can lead anybody and everybody over to that at the end of the show, but I took it and it is fascinating. You go through it, you answer 25 questions on a sliding scale, takes less than 10 minutes, right, to, uh, yep. to do. And then you give this whole entire outline, each of these four broken down with where you stand and, you know, how you see yourself and uh, you can go from there. It's great. Yeah, so I haven't seen your results. So if you want to bring, I don't know if you want to bring them up, but if, if you're feeling like offended because you have more of a negative mindset, don't hesitate to push back on me and let's, let's chat about it. I'm not offended. So what's right. the second one? All right, so the second one is the difference between closed and open mindsets. When we have a closed mindset, we're closed to the ideas and suggestions of others. When we have an open mindset, we're open to the ideas and suggestions of others. And the, the people with closed mindsets, again, value things differently than those with open mindsets. So those with closed mindsets, they wanna be seen as being right. Mm. open mindset you've met my wife <laughs> yes zing i'm kidding honey kidding yeah kidding <laughs> kidding so, of course so we when we are close we we want to be seen as being right but those with an open mindset they're not concerned about being right personally they want to think optimally and they want to see optimally and thus they're open to different perspectives and new ideas and that's the, that's the strength of the leader in that, in that regard. Yeah, so when we have a closed mindset, um, oftentimes what happens is when people disagree with us, we take it as a threat and get, oh, yeah. get defensive. Yeah. But when we have an open mindset, we're open to different perspectives, new ideas, we're open to disagreement because ultimately we understand that what we know may not be the best. And so we're, we're open to seeing things in a better way. I can tell you that in years past, I was more of that closed mindset because I was, yep. I was living in a state of fear. I was scared. I was insecure. I was seeking approval. So that, that all shaped. And now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was that person. Now, I didn't consciously work as I identified it, to open my closed mindset, but just um, changing the bad behaviors and habits that I was aware of opened it all up. Yeah, but my guess is if you were to go back in time and if, you, if I were to ask you, let's just say 10, 20 years ago, do you have an open mindset? How would you have answered? I sure do. Yep. Right. So we, that's the problem is it's really difficult for us to assess the degree to which we have an open mindset. And that's where an assessment is really valuable. I mean, we all think that we're really open-minded because we don't know what we don't know. But I, if I were to go back 10 years ago, I would have said I'm at the top of the list in terms of having an open mindset. But I now look back, and I think, oh my goodness, I was so rigid in my thinking. 
But uh, it's also interesting because you're, you bring up such a fascinating point. If you ask somebody who's closed-minded um, in, the, in the way that we know that trait to be, it's not attractive, it's not good, it's not strong, it's not really any, anything somebody wants to be, but so many people are, like you said, they, they will not admit it and they will, whether they consciously know that they're lying to themselves and us when we ask, or like you said, they're not, they just believe that they're open-minded. So it's a, it's a very intriguing thing. Yeah, and, and they can justify it. I mean, I love that you brought up that a closed mindset is actually a position of weakness. It's a position of insecurity. Um, whereas an open mindset is a position of strength. It's also a position of humility, mm. um, which, which is really powerful. When you think about I, where I work is helping develop leaders. And when, when I think about the most effective leaders are those that other people want to follow. Well, do we want to follow a dictator who, who doesn't take the ideas of others? Or do we want to follow somebody who takes our ideas seriously? You know what the big trap is, is that somebody will feel justified thinking, no, 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 I don't call me closed minded, but I have this view, this impression, this position because of X, Y, and Z. And they'll try to justify it and try to talk themselves out of it. It's like, well, still, still closed minded, but, they'll, no. but they're defiant about holding that position. Yeah, you nailed it. And again, all of these negative mindsets are very easy to justify, but it doesn't make them positive. And that's where this awakening comes in and why that's so powerful. So the people you work with, like this hypothetical person we're describing who was just defined in their ways, um, they have to want to change, right? You can't just force them into it. They have to see a little, a little crack in order to say, oh, I want to I, I, I explore that a little bit. Yeah, and I feel like that's where the power of my personal mindset assessment comes in because most of the companies that I work with, the leaders come into the training and they don't necessarily want to change and they don't necessarily feel like they need to change. In fact, they, they're already like, I don't need this. Right. And what the assessment does is when somebody takes the assessment, they, they get a score and then I compare their score to thousands of others who have taken the assessment. So they can no longer deny what mindset they have because it's, they're stacking themselves up relative to thousands of others of, uh, of people. And so with this objective metric and comparison between them and, and kind of the general public or professional public, uh, they can no longer deny where they're at. And, and mm. in, in a way, they either have to reject it or they need to own it. And, and that's, that's up to them. Wow. What's number three? Okay. So three is the difference between prevention mindsets and promotion mindsets. So when we have a prevention mindset, our focus is on not losing. But when we have a promotion mindset, our focus is on winning and gains. So to give you an example of this, imagine that we're a ship captain out at sea. So if I'm a ship captain at sea and I have a prevention mindset, my number one focus is on not sinking. So when we don't want to sink, we, we try to avoid problems. We don't want to take any risks. We, we don't want to rock the boat. We want to maintain the status quo. Uh, but that's very different than having a promotion mindset. If we're a promotion-minded captain, it's not like we don't want to sink. We don't. But our number one focus is on getting to a destination. So we anticipate problems. We're willing to take risks mm. because ultimately – we want to get to a destination. And then what ends up happening is there's a huge difference between the two. Because those with the prevention mindset, because they're so focused 
on not sinking and avoiding problems, they get blown about by the winds and the currents of the sea, and they'll end up in a destination that they didn't choose. But it's only those with the promotion mindset that become willing to brave the winds and the currents of the sea in order to get to a destination of their own proactive design. And, and so the, the outcome, and we go back to our analogy earlier with the, with the airlines and the autopilot, the destination of these two individuals is so incredibly different. Those with the prevention mindset, they become the passenger in life. They go wherever life takes them. Those with the promotion mindset, they're the driver of life and they go where they want to go. This is exactly, um, correct me if I'm wrong, this is um, how, how they say, don't focus on what you don't want, focus on what you do want, right? Instead of, focusing, instead of focusing on, I don't want to get sick, I don't want to get sick, I don't want to get sick, just focus on, I want to remain healthy and yeah, I'm going to do everything to remain healthy because what you focus on, even if it's, if it's the thing you don't want, you're going you're gonna to attract that and, and go in that direction. Yep, and there's an adage that is the absence of disease doesn't make health. So just because you're not sick doesn't mean you're necessarily healthy. And that's a prevention mindset. So what are the things that we can do to become healthy? And you know, my guess is most people, and myself included, um, we, I only go to the doctor when I need help, when there's something bad. But why don't I go to the doctor to try to enhance my health? Or why don't I get a coach? Or why don't I do meditation or whatever it is that enhances my health? And, and, and what allows us or those individuals who seek after, I would say, proactive well-being um, is that they've got a goal, a destination in mind or a purpose that allows them that says, how do I get from where I am now to my destination? And now what are the steps that I need to take? It's only those people that, that will engage in those types of behaviors. Uh, whereas if we don't have a destination in mind, then it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to do anything unless a problem occurs. And, and that's, you know, there's just a different level of success that comes with that. Yeah, this is a good one. I like this one. What's the fourth one? So the fourth one is the difference between an inward mindset and an outward mindset. So when we have an inward mindset, uh, we see ourselves as being more important than others. And as a consequence, we view others as objects. But when we have an outward mindset, we see ourselves as, or we see others as being equally important as ourselves. And therefore, we're able to see them as people, that their feelings matter just as much as my feelings. So uh, let me, I, I'll, I'll maybe, uh, let me give you one quick example, and then I can maybe give a personal example on this. But there, there's a man by the name of Benjamin Zander, who's the founder and conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. He's written a great book called The Art of Possibility, and I, I think a few others. But one of the things that he says about his career is that he said for the first half of his career, he had an inward mindset, and that he saw his musicians not as people, but as mm. instruments to play the music the way that he wanted it to be played. But then he said about halfway through his career, he had an epiphany that while he may be the face of the CD, he doesn't play a note. And so his position of leadership is one in which he needed to empower his, his musicians to play the music the way that they were most capable of performing it. So he stopped seeing them as instruments, started seeing them as people. Instead of getting them to play the music the way that he wanted it, he asked himself, how do I get them to play the music the way that is going to be best for them to play it. 
that's going to bring out their very best. And he said it completely changed his life and his leadership, his management style, and the outcomes were completely different. Because when we have an inward mindset as a leader, we get other people to follow us because they feel like they have to. But when we have an outward mindset, people start following this, not because they feel like they have to, but because they feel like they want to. And so we're able to get a, a lot more out of those people. Amazing. I want to see how we got to this point in your life. Take us back, if you will, to the very beginning of your time. What was life, what was <laughs> yeah, life like for Ryan? A lot, a lot has gone on in that time, which is great. Um, I, in, all, in, in all honesty, my upbringing was, was really fantastic. I, I kind of grew, uh, grew up in Happy Valley, Utah. Um, so, is that literal or you're putting that in quotes? No, that's literal. I mean, Utah's got the nickname for being Happy Valley. Um, and, and so it was fantastic. I had uh, great parents, uh, great friends, great neighborhood, kind of this typical, uh, I think, kind of urban neighborhood. And, and one of the things that I loved about my upbringing is my parents really empowered me to, to feel like I could do anything. Imagine uh, that. And, and they gave me the freedom to do that, uh, which was great. But one of the aspects about my upbringing was that I, I was kind of raised an only child. So I have older half siblings, um, but I don't ever remember them being around the house. Uh, so as I grew up as somewhat this only child, really our family's world revolved around me. Uh, I, so my, I, I kind of dictated what we as a family did. And, and I think one of the consequences of this is I developed an inward mindset, not knowing it's just my natural wiring in my brain developed that way because I, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I saw other people as objects that they were there to help me get me where I wanted to go. And one of the ways that I saw this come out quite a bit was in athletics. So I grew up playing basketball was my primary sport. And I, I mean, I'll admit it now, I had the reputation as the ball hawk because I saw myself as the star and I saw my teammates as my cast that are there to help me get stardom. Uh, and, and so I went along my life like this and, and even into college. And then I picked up a book that's called Leadership and Self-Deception. And it's written by the Arbinger Institute. And it talks about this difference between inward and outward mindsets. They call it being in the box or out of the box. And, and I read the book and I, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I said, this was, this was my awakening moment with my mindsets is I was like, Oh my goodness, I am. And I have this inward mindset. And, and because of that, I have been a complete, uh, a lot of bad words to a lot of people throughout my life. And, and, and I, it wasn't intentional, but it was just who I was and the mindset that I have. And once I awoken to that, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I still struggle with this mindset, but now that I'm aware of it, now I could do something about it. Uh, and, and so that was a really, that, that was really what got me started on my mindset journey is because I realized the power of this. And I, and if I could put a lay, there's this power to this label at the time it was, am I in the box or out of the box? Now I call it inward versus outward, but now I can introspect about that at any moment. Am I being inward or am I being outward? And, and, and by doing that, it allows me to, to stay on the more outward mind, mindset side of the continuum. 
What were you going to school for and looking towards in high school and through college? Well, I, so my favorite class in high school was sports psychology. I, I loved it. So uh, we read books by Stephen Covey, by Pat Riley, by Mike Krzyzewski, um, and I ate it up. Um, and I, I remember thinking as a senior in high school, man, if there was a career out there where I could do this all the time, I would be in. But I didn't know that there was a career out there. And so a couple of years later, after I graduated from high school, I was living out in Massachusetts and, and I met a Harvard Business School professor who, um, who taught organizational behavior. And I said, what's organizational behavior? And he says, it's essentially the study of leadership and motivating people to do great things. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that was my sports psychology class. This is what I'd love to do. So after that, uh, I, I started on the trajectory of, uh, I, I kind of decided uh, at that point that I wanted to move into organizational behavior. Um, and then uh, that kind of led to later thinking, well, I want to do research in this space. I want to create new knowledge in this space. Oh, wow. and, and so I was like, well, uh, being a professor is maybe the best way to do that. Uh, so, so I decided to, to try to go and get my PhD, in which I did. And now at Cal State Fullerton, where I teach and do research on leadership. What does that mean to you, having your PhD? Um, I, I, I don't feel like I don't feel like I have a very big ego. Like I, if students say, "What do we call you?" and I just say, "Call me Ryan." Like I don't need the doctor. I don't need the PhD at the end. Um, and, and I think that that's one of one of the things that I picked up actually during my PhD program was a shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset uh, in a way, because I, I shifted how I thought about myself, that it wasn't about trying to show who I was. It was actually about creating substance within myself. How do I learn, grow and develop, develop the knowledge and expertise in order to help and contribute to the lives of others, as opposed to being this trophy that's up on the shelf. So I don't care how I look, um, but I do care about my ability to positively influence others. And, and I happen to be in a field where I study how you do that, which is, uh, so I, I eat, sleep, and breathe this because I love it. It's great. Mm. I, I really appreciate that analogy that growing up, you were this trophy, you were the center of your universe, and everybody else was there to serve you. And then you had that uh, shift in, in adulthood. Yeah. And it's my guess. I mean, uh, you seem to have had a similar shift in your life. You, I mean, that's r the reason why this is called the Hidden Entrepreneur Podcast is in a way, I, it seems like you're in a place of hiding mm -hmm. and then you shifted. And, and that shift, while you may not have recognized it as a time, was surely a shift in your mindsets. It's a shift in how you see the world, right? hundred uh, percent. And so if I think both of us, we probably think if we could go back in time and actually have labels to these mindsets, we could have enhanced or sped up um, our, our shift in our mindsets. Because we were, I think both of us, we feel like we've kind of, we kind of fumbled along with this shift, not knowing the specifics, but knowing that it was happening. But, yeah. but if we can know the specifics, specifics of it, now we can, not only can it, does it empower us to shift ourselves, it empowers to help others with their shifts as well. And what's so intriguing is we, we both came from a similar 
space, but different ends of the spectrum. You thought you were the center of your universe and everybody else was there to serve you. Invert that, and that was me, right? There was nobody that I thought cared about me or my universe, and that's the world that I created for myself. So yeah, my mindset shift was back then, I, I perpetuated this false story, this false belief about me and the world around me and um, found the reality to support that until I made that shift and said, oh, no, I can't try to get the external validation and approval. It's got to start from within. Yeah. And what, as you say that, one of the things that comes to mind is as I've gotten into um, mindsets, it's forced me to get into mindfulness and, and even meditation. And if you would have asked me a year ago, if I would have been talking on a podcast about meditation, I would have said, you're crazy. Um, but, but one of the things that, that I found is I've, I've been forced to learn about mindfulness and largely from an academic standpoint, what is the research on mindfulness? What's the business case for mind, mindfulness? Tell me. The study that I came across was, was absolutely fascinating. So what researchers have found is that um, our, pre, our mindsets reside in our prefrontal cortex. And, and what they've found is if we operate more with the left side of our prefrontal cortex, we're more cued to the positive. And this is different than left brain, right brain thinking. But if we, but if we use more of our right side of our prefrontal cortex, more, more cued into the negative. So we have a tendency to see the situations for what is bad as opposed mm. to what is good. And so what a group of researchers did is they, they took a group of people and they measured the degree to which they rely upon left versus right, the, the right side of the prefrontal cortex. And then they had one group of these people uh, engage in an eight-week meditation program to enhance their mindfulness, and then they kept the other group just the same. They were the control group. And then after the, the eight weeks, they, they remeasured their brains. And what they found is that those that went through the, the meditation program had enhanced capabilities on the left side of their prefrontal cortex. So to they're see things no, more positively. Yeah, so they're cued in more to the positive. Those that didn't go through the meditation actually were using more of the right side of the prefrontal cortex. So they were even more cued in to the negative. So one of the big takeaways from this is that mindfulness and meditation literally rewires our brain and it rewires our mindsets. And so when you tell your story about going, you know, it seems like you're in a place where all you saw was the negative. But now you're in a place where you seem much more inclined to see the positive. And what has occurred is just a shifting in your neural networks that you rely upon in your brain. And so as we talked about shifting our mindsets, that's a sense, what you've done is you've shifted your mindsets. You've shifted these neural networks and you probably, to do so, you probably created daily habits or small interventions that over time shift our, shift our brain. Right? Still doing that. Still doing that daily. That's exactly what I tell people. Um, I feel like I'm in recovery. In many ways, I am uh, from that old addiction and habits. Um, this is a daily thing. It just doesn't, you don't just do it for a week, a month, or a year. You got to do it every single day. You're on it. Yeah, which is once, I mean, it's just like once we talk about it, it's like, oh my goodness, this makes so much sense. But how often do we talk about mindsets, right? I mean, it's just because yeah. we don't have the depth about them. But once we can get some depth there, then we see that they play this foundational role in our lives. 
it's so funny you spoke about that if a year ago somebody said you'd be talking about mindfulness and meditation on a podcast. Um, in a similar vein, uh, meditation today has become the one element that has changed the game for me. Um, I, 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 I indulge in it every night and it's the thing that I look forward to. Same with me. Uh, a few years ago, I've heard meditation my whole life, but it always, nah, whatever. I just wasn't ready. What? It's too hippy dippy, right? Whatever it was. I just didn't, I was like, I don't need that. It's, it's, I, whatever. I, I don't need it. Don't care about it. Not for me until it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love, uh, I don't know if you've read the book, uh, 10% Happier, uh, which is a fantastic treatise on, on uh, shoot, now I'm spacing his name. I've got the book right here. Uh, Dan Harris uh, wrote the book uh, and, and he, he tells us a, a very similar story in a very comical way, but also a very moving way about the power of, of meditation. And it, it can make you, the basic premise, it can make you 10% happier. Uh, and that's the, re all of the research that is coming out about mindfulness in the workplace is saying that, that, that our, our ability to be mindful, which is the combination of being present and aware, allows us to cognitive, cognitively deal with our situations in a more healthy way uh, across a wide variety of, uh, of aspects of how we operate. Um, and so when I, when I think about where this mindset piece fits in, it's surely much more on that awareness piece of, of mindfulness. But I, and I think it's a very critical piece of that awareness piece. It doesn't so much get at the presence piece. That's another element of mindfulness that is critically important. But that, that's kind of connecting the dots between what we've been talking about with mindsets and then also mind, mindfulness. It's, it's largely that awareness piece. Wow. You, um, you picked up on the, uh, my brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur. It's all about the fact that I spent all this time hiding really behind fear, using that as an excuse to perpetuate everything I was trying to avoid there. Um, share with us a time where fear was very uh, prominent in your world and how you got through that. Ah, great question. Uh, let me come to a, a personal example and let me just kind of connect some of the dots here in the sense of all of our negative mindsets. So we talked about four negative mindsets. They are connected to fear. In fact, I think that they're driven by fear. Hmm. So uh, the fixed mindset is we have a fear of looking bad. When we have a closed mindset, we have a fear of not being right. When we have a prevention mindset, we have a fear of problems and discomfort. And when we have an inward mindset, we have a fear of being passed up. And all of those fears are these, when we have them, they're chips on our shoulders. And one of the things that is really interesting, when you think about, I mean, we've seen a whole host of Marvel superhero movies that have come out in the last you know, 10 years or so. So I think we're really good at seeing uh, and we really enjoy seeing heroes versus villains. And, and the thing about, um, about villains that is so interesting is that these villains think that they're in the right. But, the re but wow. what's going on here is they've got a chip on their shoulder. They've got a fear that is driving them to engage in justified behavior that they think is right. They think they're on the good side. But at the end of the day, they're having negative ramifications for those around them. And, and so that's what happens when we have these negative mindsets is we're unintentionally making ourselves the villain. 
And, and in an organizational context, there's um, some pretty overwhelming statistics like 65% of employees would rather have a new boss compared to new more pay. And 60% of employees say that their boss has actually had a negative impact on their self-esteem. Wow. So uh, it's most leaders in organizations consider themselves the heroes, but in reality, <laughs> they're the villains. They're oftentimes the villains. It's not like all of them are villains, of course. Right. But it seems like the majority are, which is really scary. And so when it, when it comes to, when you ask about my fears, um, I, I think that uh, the one, the mindset that I've struggled most with, as I mentioned, is this inward and outward mindset. So I had this inward mindset because I had this fear of being passed up, of, of not being accepted. Um, and I thought that the way to not to kind of excel and to become accepted what, was to prove myself. And, at, and oftentimes, maybe even at the expense of others. Uh, unfortunately, that was the case. And, and so that, that fear of kind of not being enough um, was, was, I think, really what drove that inward mindset. Wow. If you were to look back on a younger version of yourself, what conversation would you be having? Oh, um, I would have a lot of conversations. Let me, let me share one that just kind of comes to mind based upon what, what we just talked about. Uh, are, you, are you very familiar with Brene Brown's stuff? Somewhat. Okay, so Brene Brown is the sociologist who studies uh, I, a topic that impacts everybody, and that is shame. Uh, and she talks about the antithesis of that, which is vulnerability. And in one of her books, uh, Rising Strong, she's got an anecdote in there that, that rocked my world. And this is maybe one of the things that I would share with my younger self. Um, so she, to give you the context here, she had an experience where she was speaking at an event. She did it pro bono. And when she showed up to the hotel, come to find out that they had put her with a roommate, which she was like, initially like, oh no. And, and so she walks into the door or into the whole hotel room. And there's a woman who's sprawled out on the couch. She's got some dirty shoes up on the couch is eating this gigantic cinnamon roll. And, and then right before she goes to shake Brene Brown's hand, she wipes all this icing off of her hand onto the couch. And so she's already like, this woman is disgusting. And then the woman goes out on the, it's a non-smoking room. The woman goes out on the porch or the balcony and starts smoking. And Brene Brown is a former uh, smoker. And so this was like a big no-no for her. Um, and so anyway, she had this really negative experience. She came back home and she met with her therapist who apparently she meets with regularly. And her therapist asked her the question, do you think that she was doing the best that she could? And Brene Brown's like, hell no, she's not doing the best that she could. And, and she gets, you know, all upset about this. And anyways, their time runs up. And then Brene Brown goes to a bank. And, and she's standing in line in the bank and the woman in front of her is berating the teller. Um, and, and, and so this woman, and the tell, this woman happens to be an older white woman, the teller's a black, young black man. And, and she says, I wanna speak to your manager. And so the teller points to his manager, which is a black woman. And, and then the, the older white woman says, no, I wanna talk to a different manager. Um, and it's implying wanting to speak to a white manager. 
And, and so anyways, another manager comes and takes her away. Brene Brown steps up to the teller window and, and Brene Brown says, even before anything happens, she says, do you think that she was doing the best that she, she could? And he said, yeah, probably. I mean, she was really nervous about her money. Maybe somebody has been siphoning off some of her money. Like, I understand where she's coming from. And Brene Brown is just like, no, she was not doing the best that she could. So Brene Brown was so upset about this that she started to do research on this question. Mm. So she started to interview people and ask them, do you think in general that people are doing the best that they can? And, and I've even asked this, I asked this to my students on the first day of every class, and I get 90% of my students that say, no, people in general are not doing the best that they can. But here's what Brene Brown found out about the research, is that those the people that answer no, people are not doing the best that they can, they struggle with shame and perfectionism. But those that are able to say yes, uh, that, that people are doing the best they can, they're, they're much more healthy psychologically, they're much more empathetic and much more sympathetic. And let me give you a sense of how this plays out. So um, here in Southern California, we've, we've got a homeless, homelessness problem. So it's not uncommon to pull up to a street corner and there's a homeless individual standing there. And, and in my former life, I'm gonna call it my former life, um, and I still am guilty of this sometimes, unfortunately, but I would pull up, I would see a homeless person and I'd think, what are you doing? Why are you spending this time asking for money when you could spend this time working, for example? What? So in other words, I'm thinking, why don't you go get a job, right? When I take that approach and I have that lens towards other people, this is my inward mindset lens, then I'm not sympathetic at all. I'm rather critical. But when I, when I understand that other people are doing the best that they can, then it leads me to see a homeless person, for example, and ask the question, what in the world has happened in their life that has led them to believe that this is the best way to live? Mm. And when I ask that question, now I'm much more sympathetic and empathetic to their plight, and I'm much more willing to help them. Again, how we see the world shapes how we think, how we learn, and how we behave. And, and so if I could go back in time, I would want to teach myself that people in general are doing the best that they can. And, and understanding that would allow me to interact and approach others in a much more healthy way than what I, what I used to do. It's a beautiful, beautiful answer. Beautiful stories. I love all that visual. Long. So sorry for the long winded answer, but no, uh, it's the perfect answer. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Um, I don't think everything happens for a reason, but I, I think we're left with a choice. Um, with anything that happens. And that's the choice to make the best of the situation. Um, and that's up to us. I, I think uh, w another book that I love is Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm -hmm. and, and if there's anybody that has any reason to complain, it, it's somebody who survived uh, a concentration camp like he did. Uh, but even in his book, he, he talks about while a concentration camp could take away essentially all of your freedom, and it can't take away the last of the human freedoms, which is to choose one's own will in any given set of circumstances. Uh, so I think regardless of where we're at, we have the capability of shaping how we respond to that environment. And so I'm not sure if uh, you know, everything's meant to be or for a certain reason, but, but I, I feel strongly that we are able to shape whatever situation that we encounter. Hmm. 
What do you believe happens when it's all over? When our time here on earth comes to an end? Ah, deep question. Good one. Um, I, I would say I'm very influenced by my, uh, by my Utah upbringing. I grew up uh, uh, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and I, I still uh, am involved in the religion. And I think I generally espouse to their beliefs about what happens after this life. And, and part of those beliefs is that we continue to live in after this life, uh, initially kind of in terms of in spirit form. Uh, but then one day, we, I believe in the resurrection uh, that is associated with Jesus Christ, that we will one day take on a perfect body and live eternally. And part of this eternal um, perspective is, is not just our own our, our eternal reality, but also we have the opportunity to live with our family uh, and loved ones at beyond this life. Uh, and to me, that's really comforting. Uh, it's been a huge comfort to my life. I've lost both of my parents to cancer. Um, mm -hmm. So as, as challenging as that can be, it's, it's softened with my, it's been softened with my belief that I think that they're in a way still around and that I will see them again one day. It's beautiful. I will leave you with this final question. Ryan Gottfriedson, how would you like to be remembered? Um, I, I think I want to be remembered as somebody that had a positive influence on the lives of others. And, and that could be big or small. I, I want people to um, feel like after they interacted with me that they were better because of it. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm working on trying to get there. I, I think that's really difficult, but it, that focus allows me to be intentional. Uh, when, when I, uh, and I'm not that I'm always intentional, but when I interact with individuals, I try my best to ask myself, how do I want them to feel after they interact with me? And how do I want them to see me after I interact with them? And, and by asking those questions, it, it shapes my interactions from being something that's maybe casual or neutral uh, to helping me take it to more of the positive uh, level. And, and so, but overall, um, I want to be a positive influence. Well, you've certainly positively influenced uh, this gentleman right here. And I thank you for that. Really cool to have this discussion with you for opening up and showing up in the way you did, Ryan. Pleasure to have you here today. For sure. Thank you. And thank you for your wonderful questions, your great energy. Uh, it's, it's very contagious. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody joining us, whether it's for the live broadcast here or the podcast on the platform of your choice, Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you're there, hit rate and review. Let me know what you think. I love reading that stuff. We're going to do this again real soon. Until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.